welcome to the Onyx Pathcast. My name is Matthew Dawkins, and we are here once again for World Below Character Creation. But not only am I not alone, because that would be a very sad episode if I was char creating characters for my own game and just going to run a game for myself. I guess you could do that. Maybe I should. Yeah. Okay, well, this is going to be a very quick episode then. So anyway, <laughs> moving on to calling no no uh, i'm not going to do that because there are three people patiently waiting in the wings that's right three in the previous character creation episode i was of course joined by dixie hello i'm back danielle hello i'm not back and not eddie but in this case eddie has actually deigned to share his uh, his presence with us eddie to what do we owe this rare pleasure um, not being ill, actually, is this is a big reason, because last time I was just violently sick. Does that but... mean that now you two have to fight out being the token Brit? Yes. Yes. Very important. Oh, okay. with, uh, with Chant, I believe, that's, that means we're going to be having, uh, it's going to be, what is it called, a fatal three-way? No, it's a fatal four-way. <laughs> uh, obligatory yeah. wrestling reference right now. I haven't now. Been one of those in a while. What's the difference between a triangle match and a um, is it a three-way match, Eddie? Um, I know a three-way tends three to have a more sexual component, but uh, I'm sure there's a. I don't think there's much difference between a triangle match and a three-way dance. Um, ah, that's a three-way dance. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe the three-way dance is generally a no DQ, where I think triangle match is normally traditional rules, but I could be mistaken on that. I remember one where the first person who gets pinned gets eliminated, leaving just two wrestlers. But anyway, that's not what people are here for. <laughs> that's not why, not why people are here. People are here, hopefully, to listen to our second part of World Below Character Creation. Now, one thing I wanted to emphasize to listeners, I mentioned it in the last episode, but I do think it bears repeating, is uh, typically World Below Character Creation, in my experience and the experience of people I've played with, takes around 20 minutes. Somehow, this group is going to extend it to two hours. <laughs> well, it's it's partially because we're trying to talk and be informative at the same time as yes. making a character. If I was just sitting at a table with a book, asking the occasional question and not paying attention to other people, mm. uh, this would go a lot faster. God knows how that's to... that's how I role play. I, I will I will say that um, as I was building my character to get caught up, it took me like fifteen minutes. So. Yeah, Eddie, I had uh, sorry, Eddie, Matthew. It's Matthew's fault. I had my character made <laughs> in the first twenty minutes of our podcast, but you kept interrupting to explain literally every option available for the listeners. Yeah. So honestly, this is on you. Yeah, I'm a terrible host. No, the listeners need to hear the options. The, the listeners the are terrible. The listeners are terrible. Okay. No, the listeners are not terrible. We love yes. the listeners. Well, you know, you should be helping us out, listeners. Where's your input? <laughs> Come on. I, I don't think they can. I, no. I don't know if you know that that's not how that's, this works. I suppose the, the drawback, the curse of being pre-recorded is we will not be receiving live calls in. We're going to have to a live episode again someday, aren't we? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've been testing out some Discord options, and then with the new stage function on Discord, it's actually pretty easy to do a live show. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Dee Dee did hers recently. Yeah, mm. I did a live show. Well, yeah, a live yeah. whatever. Uh, I guess Q we did a, a show Q and A. Yeah, the stage was really cool. Yeah. Oh, well, well, in that case, uh, we will consider it. But not for this episode, no, because we're already in the pre-recording mode. And <laughs> when last we left off. 
the world below character creation. We had reached the stage, the very end stage of the dialectic choice, but before we get back to that, perhaps it would benefit the listeners, uh, the, those terrible people, if the players could recap the characters they have created so far, uh, if you have names, concepts, anything like that, anything to add flavour and colour to the character you've designed so far, that would be wonderful. And of course, Eddie, you need to introduce us to the character that you have created up to this point. So let's start with Danielle. Danielle, uh, which kind of, what kind of, kind of character have you been creating? Uh, so first of all, I need you to know that I have come up with a name for this character. This oh. character's name is Plunk. Plunk, I like that. Yeah, um, Plunk is a gregarious chef who experiments. Mm -hmm. um, so far, we have the ancestry of Hobgob uh, and the community settlement of Telver's Hearth. Yes. Plunk follows the dogma of Fortuna. Like all wise people. Yes. Um, and is a part of the kitchen guild. Uh, is, you know, a gastrovore, as you would. Hmm. Uh, and the dialectic for Plunk is a Keobaka. Wonderful, which means you are attuned to the chaotic elements swirling through the world below. Yes. Yeah, there is something of fortune or misfortune about you. Uh, and Plunk is a great name, I think, for a hobgob, not least because it has a certain fey air to it, and our hobgobs are more along the lines of fairies. I, I kind of picture them in the in the sort of changing the dreaming mold, I guess, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, more than being grotesque uh, Tolkien goblins, though they can certainly vary in appearance. Not all fairies are good-looking. Uh, so, you have got that far, and you assigned some contacts for your dawn, didn't you? Or was I it did. only one? I So, for my dawn so far, I have Little Bit, who is um, a uh, a person that I knew in Telver's Heart. Mm -hmm. um, and they are dangerous. Yes, so useful um, if you need someone hit over the head uh, or threatened while you're away, certainly. Yes. Um, I don't. I don't have a contact yet for uh, my Kiabaka. I'm still thinking of of someone for that. Okay. All right. And how about you, Dixie? Who had you been creating? Uh, as as you know, I was creating Breen, the best name in the book. How could you do this? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Is Breen actually in the book as a name option? Yes. Yes. Oh my. Yeah. That's amazing. That's why I picked it. I picked it from the list of names so Matthew good. provided. <laughs> uh, she is a curious mycelae who finds is her character concept because mm -hmm. uh, she does foraging and the like Yeah, uh, she is an antissia which is a you know sn snake or a lizard type person I have made her a snake person with mm -hmm. no legs because this will be my third legless snake person I have gotten to play yeah she was quite evangelical about how how serpent folks should not have limbs no they should have upper limbs Upper limbs, upper limbs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. difficult to wield a weapon if not. Although we uh, conquered that particular hurdle in uh, Pugmire. Mm -mm. Uh, she is from Tark, which is one of the closest to the surface uh, places. Awful uh, so place. She wanted to get, get the hell out of there. Her mm -hmm. dogma is the Hades Tract. She thinks we're all already dead. Guild is the kitchen. And dialectic is Mycelae. Uh, so she is, she's also got mushrooms and spores and strange things growing out of her. Because uh, I can't just make a snake. I had to make a mushroom snake. Because talking to mushrooms was cool, as I said multiple times last episode. 
Beautiful. And out of interest, because I think uh, when a lot of people picture the idea of fungal growths, I mentioned The Last of Us yeah. uh, last time, is this to, I guess, the, the, the modern-day human aesthetic going to look quite grotesque, or do you have more of a uh iridescent multicolored fungal assortment going on uh the latter in in my brain they're all like little glowing deep cave mushrooms mm. um so they're 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 more pretty in in my brain unless yeah. you're i guess afraid of mushrooms yes uh but i think as i said in the last episode that all that like glowing kind of black lady underground stuff as seen in certain parts of like Skyrim mm -hmm. uh and parts of like Baldur's Gate 3 is very cool. Yeah. I like I like glowing underground things. Uh so that's that's what they look like in my brain. Well this is the game for you. <laughs> yeah. And uh talk, tell us about the contacts you have assigned so far. Oh yeah. So my first one as you named them for me is Skull. Uh, they mm. are an informant, and they only have one L because I decided to make them all fantasy names by spelling the words wrong. Yeah, make sure you change all I's to Y's as well. That's a, that's a good trick. <laughs> My dialectic contacts, I have named Spore and Truffle. <laughs> They're good names. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they don't point. have tags yet. I was, I was going to add tags to them right before you called on me. So they will have tags soon. Yes, we will recap all of that. Recap a mushroom. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Uh, so, so that leaves you, Eddie. Eddie, uh, no one knows who you've been playing uh, or who you've been creating, I should say. So, uh, amaze us. Secrets. It's a secret. Yes. Amaze before, us with your character. Before I begin, I have to say that uh, um, Funkle Arrangement is my Pink Floyd cover band name. Uh, <laughs> I did not know anything that anybody else is playing so uh i have not been copying off of danielle's sheet but uh i am playing uh zabin uh, who is a warrior chef um his ancestry is human um he is from aura caster mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of as i understand it's kind of the um big city if you will it's uh, pretty damn deep it's the, probably the biggest settlement that low down yeah uh, very very strange place lots of eyeballs carved and studded into the walls for for reasons reasons just you know like, well i can i can actually give you the reason if you want sure yeah so yeah. the when things die in the world below or when uh, rubble well when uh, stones are mined and rubble is deposited clearly at some point you're going to run out of space especially if you're trying to dig a tunnel where are you going to put everything you have excavated Obviously. you can't just put it behind you otherwise you'll be sealing yourself in so the world below for some reason has a way of i guess you could say digesting and recycling refuse uh, bodies will either rapidly decompose or just completely disappear uh, stones will be absorbed into the ground somehow diffuse uh, or appear elsewhere uh, there are beliefs in the world below as to why that might be the case. The Temple of the Benevolent Earth actually believes the world below is recycling everything to make everyone's lives better. Others believe you're in a living organism, all that kind of stuff. But that process can be abated if you set up idols, statues, things with eyes to watch over them. If you physically are stood there watching over a body, it will never disappear. 
Uh, from video game logic, it's kind of fog of war-like. You leave the scene, you come back, and whatever was there before is gone. Uh, but if you stand by it, it will never disappear. Oracaster is so paranoid about being consumed by the Abyss, which it is quite close to, that they have dotted pretty much every surface with carvings, sculptures, effigies, and so on, all with eyes watching ab absolutely everything, because it makes them feel safe and watched and cared for by the world below. So now you know. It's a, it's, 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 it's a panopticon um, of just eyes everywhere. Yeah, and yet somehow you can never quite get used to it. <laughs> right, it's like watching you every moment, even while you're pooping. <laughs> Especially then. Especially then. Guys get much bigger. Um, anyway, so my uh, dogma is also Fortuna, because uh, it is, as you say, the best dogma. Yep. Um, the, my guild is the kitchen, obviously, uh, because I'm a chef. Uh, and my dialect, dialectic is Scarab, because apparently I am on a, rent, a trend of playing bug people in fantasy games lately. Yeah, yeah, we we do as a party have certain trends, don't we? If I was making a character, I think I'd make some kind of aquatic elf. Right, see, it's just what we do. Yeah, elemental maybe. But okay, and have you assigned any of your contacts yet? Eddie? I did. I've not done names yet uh, because I, mm -hmm. I, I, did, I actually couldn't find the the name uh, section. But uh, for my dawn contact, um, I have uh, my master chef who trained me, um, and he has a tag of mentor. Mm -hmm. And my dialectic contents, which is my actually my major path, uh, is a dialectic. Yeah. Um, so um, I have two dots uh, for a another member of the scarab dialectic um who's loyal to me and uh one dot for a shady traitor uh, who's a fence someone that i can get uh, uh rare ingredients or supplies from excellent okay well if you need help uh, finding names you can on the character creation document go to the creator concept section there are lots of example names in that part oh yeah i just looked right over that thank you Easy, easy to do. There's a lot of text, and it isn't always easiest to navigate a manuscript with no illustrations to divide it up. Right. All right, then. So shall we jump on to calling, everybody? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, yay. so... Yay! The enthusiasm drips, seeps, oozes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm enthusiastic, and that's because the calling is, in most games, what you would consider the class or clan or general, I guess, major tentpole of, uh, of a character's build. That doesn't have to be the case in the world below, and quite often isn't, uh, but an awful lot of players engage with the doing part of a character uh, for good reason, and that is what a calling happens to be. Uh, just like with the rest of character creation, this is a point at which you choose a calling from the selection of six in the core book. And depending on whether you are choosing a calling as your major path or minor path will determine the number of skill dots and the number of attribute dots you get to assign to the skills and uh, attributes associated with that path. Again, for the sake of listeners... The six callings in the World Below's core book are the Alchemist, 
which is a calling dedicated to, well, I mean alchemy, but elemental magics, uh, creating simulacra, uh, changing, let's say, for everything from water to ice to magma to solid earth. Uh, creating electricity from nowhere, all kinds of fun stuff like that. Uh, in a D&D sense, the, the alchemist is closest to a wizard uh, because it, there is some kind of preparation implied with this calling. You have to study to become an alchemist. It's very unlikely it would come naturally to you. Uh, they have a firm presence in a great deal of the guilds as well because of that academic side. So a lot of the head guilders are alchemists. Now, beyond them, you have the holies. Uh, holies are your priests, your philosophers, uh, sometimes paladin types, in individuals who dedicate themselves primarily to a faith or philosophy or themselves, but whatever it is, Belief is what guides them. Uh, again, from a D&D &D standpoint, you'd be looking at a cleric here, perhaps a druid, maybe a bard. Uh, holies are good for uniting groups, of course, offering healing, diplomatic solutions, and, of course, purging things with their sorceries. Uh, there is, as one of the faiths is the Temple of the Benevolent Earth in this game, there is a Templar aspect in the sense of... Uh, they can channel their divine power through their weapon. That in itself isn't unique to the world below. But what holies can do is essentially magically brand a target so that every subsequent attack on that target is significantly more harmful in various ways. It makes them very easy to track that individual, uh, attach status effects to that individual because that uh, that holy has determined this person to be unholy. Uh, so you could call it an evangelical angle. Then we have the Farsighter. The Farsighter is our paladin meets druid uh, who can hear the world below whispering, excellent at community leadership. Uh, they can manipulate plant life, but they can also divine the future and see into the past. Uh, the Farsighter is probably my favourite calling in the game. Uh, we have the Hunter, whose name very much speaks for itself, though as well as slaying creatures and uh, riding them too, uh, Hunters are incredibly good at foraging, harvesting crops, finding rare uh, minerals and such, because the Hunter is a staple of every surviving community. Uh, they do more than just kill. Uh, we have the Chaosist, who is your wild magician meets sorcerer, able to pull upon the chaotic energies of the world below and manipulate them into magic that we have listed as sorceries, but also create their own sorceries with a great deal of skill. Uh, they are the least predictable calling, probably the least liked calling and appreciated throughout the world below because of their chaotic nature. It's in the name. Uh, but also, with that, probably the most destru potentially destructive and deadly. And then you have the Silhouette. And the Silhouette is our rogue meets assassin, meets spy, contortionist. There's lots of weird stuff packed into the Silhouette. I mentioned in the last episode, they have a Zimishi element to them. I would say that it's, it is like a Zimishi meeting a La Sombra, because, of course, they play with darkness but they can also change their appearance, fit themselves into very tiny places like tombs in the X-Files. They're a, an unsettling calling 
a frequently a necessary one. So with all that's done, that was my very long elevator pitch. We've reached the top of the tower now. What are people leaning towards for their callings? I know we discussed some of these last time, but I'm interested mm -hmm. to know if any of your ideas have changed, perhaps. Danielle? Uh, oh, oh. No, no, sorry. Go, you go ahead, Dixie, if you, you have an idea. <laughs> I was going to say that I, I am still sticking with Silhouette, because I like them a lot, and that pitch made them sound even cooler than I already thought they were. So It is, it is very you, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very snake. Yes, I would say so. I am uh, sticking with alchemist. Okay, sticking with the alchemist. Things that go boom. Mm -hmm. And how about you, Eddie? What are you leaning toward? Uh, actually, I had a, a couple of options, um, but uh, I was I was leaning towards hunter. With the other options being kind of in case somebody else already taken hunter, but it sounds like hunter actually be a good fit for this group. So, yeah. Yeah, I would say so, especially as you're all going for the Kitchen Guild. Uh, right. It means you've uh, got a nice trio there of sort of Harvester, Hunter, and Preparation. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the three of you could uh, work in concert to run a decent kitchen in the world below, perhaps. Right. We're not even going to play the game. We're just going to end up setting up a little stall. We'll put a dragon behind the counter. We could open up a restaurant, <laughs> name it something strange and gibberish-like, and yeah, and see how it sells. I'm just saying, if we if we had a stadium for our guild, a kitchen stadium, if you would, that would be great. Kitchen stadium, super dragon, <laughs> tensai. tensai, X plus alpha. I, I'm I'm going to open a coffee shop, and I'm going to call it Breen's Beans. <laughs> that's, that's my entire goal now. Nice. Breen's Beans. Isn't that corrupt? So, well done. <laughs> Breen's beans. I wonder how well coffee would grow in this environment. Well, you know, it actually... It would not. No, but well, we say that. Uh, some coffee is regurgitated, isn't it? And uh, produced via a creature's spore. So, uh, this is the most... Isn't the most expensive coffee bean in the world mm -hmm. passed through the digestive tract of a particular bat or owl or something? No, it's a civet. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway. I mean, they they do wash the beans after. Oh, I I imagine they would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to understand why I took character creation two sessions to do this. Mm-hmm. Now you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, is who is going for calling as a major path? Because this is your final path. I am. I think I'm the only one. Is that the case? What did what did you mm -hmm. go for, Dixie? I did, I did dialectic. And Eddie? I also did dialectic. Okay, then. We think mushrooms and bugs are cooler than our jobs. It's true. I'm here to be a mad scientist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, as noted previously, if uh, this is your major path, you're going to assign six dots among your skills that are linked to this particular calling. If it's your minor, you uh, distribute three. Um, likewise, if, if it's your major attribute, uh, major path, I should say, your attributes, you're going to get 10. And if it's a minor path, uh, you'll get four dots. So I once again yes. have an overlapping skill. Uh, can I ask what you use pilot for in this game? Uh, riding bugs. Um, I oh. would say also to some degree taming bugs. Uh, okay. Also, there's a fair amount of sea travel and sled travel, depending on where you are in the world below. There, there are vast subterranean seas in this setting, so it, it's it's more utilitarian than you'd think. Neat. Uh, always good for a quick getaway if you can leap on a giant stag beetle's back. 
I mean, you can attempt it even without any dots in pilot. You're just more likely to look like a tit doing so. <laughs> Impaling yourself on the prongs. So, if you are all assigning your dots now, uh, I have some good news, because following this, we get on to your personal interests. And this is where you get to assign your three final skill dots. You can put them in any skills. They can be added to existing skills that you have associated with your paths. You could assign them to skills that aren't represented. This is where, if we were all good team players, we would discuss where do our area, where do our characters excel? And we would then find the flaws and someone would say, well, I'll put a couple in technology because it's always technology. Or I'll put, I'll put a couple in science. So, Danielle, what is your character best at? So best at science, and then I have uh, two dots in both artistry and enigmas, mm -hmm. and then I have a dot each in close combat, leadership, ranged combat, and technology. Oh, okay, nice spread. And how about you, Dixie? What are you? What's your character good at? Uh, I've got two dots and a bunch of stuff. I don't have anything that I'm specifically best at. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have two dots in medicine, persuasion, esoterica, and larceny. I'm glad someone's got medicine. And then one dot each in uh, range combat, enigmas, close combat, and athletics. Oh, again, nice, nice spread of uh, of skills there. And Eddie, how about yourself? Um, kind of an odd uh, spread due to my path breakdown, but um, uh, I have three dots in athletics, close combat, and empathy. Um, a couple dots in culture, and then just a dot in artistry, pilot, ranged combat, and survival. So you really feel for the people you stab to death. Yeah, it's 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 an awkward situation. So I, I am kind of tweaking the concept to be less warrior and more kind of hunter gatherer. Mm -hmm. um, so so it's more like, uh, oh, you need to be fed, so let's sure I can get you something you know to eat. Kind of yeah. dynamic. Um, but also it means that uh, I, I've I've had to kind of adjust things to be closer on the more on the close combat side to kind of make all this work. Yeah. Well, there don't appear to be any massive gaps in this group's skill set. Nobody uh, has culture or persuasion. I have two dots of culture. I have two dots in persuasion. Uh, uh, mm. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I was going to say Esoterica doesn't have a massive representation in this group. Mm. I've got two dots in that as well. Yeah, I heard Esoterica said. Mm. So, yeah, it does seem like pretty much all bases are covered, so I'm going to take your skill points away from... No, you can still assign three <laughs> personal interest <laughs> skill dots to any skills of your choice. Uh, so I'm going to ask real quick... Um, yeah actually about the attribute spreads mm -hmm. <laughs> for for my but my buds um is anybody good at social stuff i am okay it's not my number one but it's a, it's definitely number two okay because i am piss poor at social things i'm really bad at intellect type stuff for the most okay part, so. i'm really good at that i i am aggressively mediocre in social stuff um okay. but i am very good at physical stuff so Okay. I'm 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 mostly very good at physical stuff, but yeah, it's for for me my my attribute spreads are going to be most of it's in physical, but there's still a fair amount in social, and then I've only got like three dots to add to int type stuff. So yeah, yeah. I only had three dots to spread to social stuff over all of my yeah. That's that's fine too. I I left two dots in everything social. Yeah. <laughs> ah. uh, that is considerably better than the character I made last week for an actual play that I participated in. Uh, I'm trying to remember the build exactly, but I think it ended up being a, a character from Era Hulk, 
who was also an elemental and an alchemist. And the end result was I only had one dot to assign to attributes in social attributes, I should say. Uh, so, yeah, I ended up with one in presence, two That's in great. manipulation, one in composure. And I bet you were really good at the other two things. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was fantastic at the other things. But I really enjoyed playing a character who was so weighted like that. It made the dice rolls for that particular arena really interesting, well, exciting and tense for me because <laughs> I knew that I was likely to fail. <laughs> Uh, and it gave me a good reason to spend momentum and things like that. So you know, I like having, I like being a character with uh, with obvious failings. <laughs> Very nice. Okay then. So uh, you will, of course, also have your contacts and your calling, but I appreciate that can take a little while to come up with because it's a whole concept you're often trying to think of. But think of it mostly as a tag, and then you can assign the character to it. If you haven't already. I, mean, I made mine. Ooh. And she is my mentor in silhouetting, I guess. Yep. Uh, and her name is Shiv with a Y. Very good. Because all my characters are just objects. <laughs> <laughs> but I did spell it with a Y to make it fantasy. Yes. So Shiv is, yes. is your I mean, Ys and apostrophes are like the two big options there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and she is my, my, my mentor, of course. Yes. Shiv Roy. Ooh, I should fix how I spell truffle with a... Tru no, it is not Shiv Roy. Truflay. Truflay. I had spelled it with uh, like two Fs and then E L L, but now it is spelled T R U F apostrophe L because Eddie oh, reminded was, me that I wondered if existed. If you might go P H. I like the F. Tr truffle. 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 Anyway, <laughs> anyhow, uh, here's the probably most fun part of character creation uh, in any game. Uh, it is the assignment of your heroic talents, as they are called, in the world below. Uh, your heroic talents are your uh, thesis, synthesis, and sorcery. Uh, you can have many of them, or if you particularly want to dump all of your dots in one, you could have uh, one very powerful uh, of each, but it's unlikely, especially for the thesis side of things. Mm -hmm. Now, depending on which uh, path you chose as major, and now I know which uh, each of you have gone for, I'll be able to say how many dots you have for each. So none of you went for major path dawn, so each of you has seven dots to assign to theses. Uh, for syntheses, uh, the two of you who picked dialectic as your major path, you have six. Uh, for Danielle, however, you have five. Mm -hmm. And then Danielle gets four dots to assign to sorceries, and everyone else gets three dots to assign to sorceries because they are tied to your calling. Now... We have chapters of uh, of all the theses, syntheses, and sorceries in this game, of which there are many. Uh, the intention is that there's a lot of choice in this game, but hopefully, uh, because we also have a handy table in the character creation chapter that basically breaks every single one of these down with prerequisites and so on, uh, you can easily navigate to see which ones you can afford and which ones you qualify for. If you can't buy something you want now, don't worry, you'll accumulate experience pretty quickly in this game and we'll be able to buy something you're interested in, in the next Calm season because that's when you spend experience in the world below. Uh, essentially, it's a form of downtime, but a downtime you play through, like in Pendragon or A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, so, various, to so start with theses, theses are 
equivalent to edges. These are natural talents that characters have that represent the way a character imposes themselves on the world below. It is a way they influence the world around them. And so the, these might be powers that enable them to do things like climb a little better, run a little faster, uh, have more skill, let's say, wielding a particular kind of weapon, all the way through to tools you might possess for being part of a certain guild or knowledge you might have for being from a certain settlement. These all tie into the various elements from your dawn path. Uh, synthesis or syntheses are the powers that you have in, I guess, re reciprocity with the world below, uh, which, to make it make more sense, this is how the world below affects you. Uh, hence, synthesis, it changes within your body and allows you to do things that are slightly funky. Uh, they can be called equivalent to gifts in a game like Trinity. Uh, and these are tied into your dialectic. So they will manifest considerably more overtly than something like a thesis. Uh, they will often involve physical transformations or spiritual powers, something that ties to your chosen dialectic. And then you have sorceries, and sorceries are the ones you get the fewest of because they are the most powerful uh, powers in the game, but they also have dreadful repercussions if you use them badly. Uh, they tie into your calling. Every single calling has access to sorceries, even though they are spells in a broad sense. They are something that even hunters and silhouettes get access to just as easily as alchemists and chaosists and holies and farsighters. Uh, these can range everything from being able to command animals to being able to create weapons out of nothing uh, that are your preferred kind of your calling's preferred kind of weapon. So, for instance, silhouettes are likely to have shadow and abyssal weapons, whereas uh, alchemists were going to be sparking with elements all over the place. Um, sorceries are chaotic by nature. And so in-game, when you use them, depending on where you are in the world below, the uh, scene around you, what kind of stresses you're under, you may trigger a chaotic retaliation by using them, which is reminiscent of wild magic effects in old D&D &D, or paradox backlashes, though they're not always negative from uh, Mage the Ascension. So all that said, again, I'm chat chattering on at length because it hopefully gives the players enough time to assign themselves some of these powers. And what you may find is when you're going to pick your theses, syntheses, and sorceries, you may find at this early stage, especially for theses and syntheses, there aren't as many that you can qualify for as you would like. Mm. Now, it's that's fine because there are many theses that have no prerequisites. And there are several syntheses that have no prerequisites either. Uh, so you basically, you just qualify for them by being a character. These are things like, you know, again, being uh, having a personal cavern or having a patron. Things that in a Chronicles of Darkness standpoint, you'd look as, uh, I guess, social merits or um, things that were, aren't um, supernatural in nature. When there's multiple prerequisites, do you need to meet all of them? Is this for sorceries? No, I'm talking about for... Th I, I'm still on thesis. 
Um, okay. So it'll say like ancestry, elf, comma, guild, the company of artisans, or settlement. Like, like so is it just no, one of those? No, they are all or. Okay, all, all of or. them are or. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I was confused about because I was like, wait, I'm I'm from this place, but I don't have this ancestry. Do I qualify for this? And I because yep, yep. like currently in the non laid out version, I cannot look at that chart, so I'm having to look at the actual chapter. I know it. <laughs> I, I, know I cannot read that chart right now. <laughs> in Word, it isn't the easiest possible thing. It's uh, a little easier if you use. Mm. Uh, I've I constructed a character sheet on uh, Google Sheets, and it will list the prerequisites for you, I think, if you select the power that mm. you're interested in. But, uh, yeah, I I understand that in in Word, it isn't necessarily easy to navigate. Oh, yeah, I've been using the, the PDF character sheet that you gave us, so mm-hmm. I don't have drop-downs. Right, so what is everyone looking at, then, in terms of their theses, syntheses, and sorceries? And maybe you can tell us a little about them uh, while you're telling the listeners what you selected. So let's start with you, Eddie. What did you go for for your character? Uh, so um, for my theses, uh, I uh, started with uh, a Nourishing Brew, um, which allows, me to rec- uh, allows someone to recover to injury levels for, from food I make for them, but afterwards they suffer indigestion, which causes a moderate complication to actions. So, you know, a bit of good, a bit of bad there. Um, I took uh, a Dot and Keen Sense, um, uh, probably Sights. I'm still debating if I want to do Sight or Smell on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it fit both the Hunter and the Cooking vibe. Um, uh, I took it out in uh, privileged membership, um, so you know, I'm a little well known in, in my group. Uh, and then uh, for my uh, last one, I took uh, underhanded tactics because not exactly a, a, a honorable fighter. Oh, okay. Uh, you're a bit of a sneaky uh, chef, then. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, do we do my census and sorceries too, or do you want to have do it? Yeah, let, let's go through your all of yours right now, if we can, Eddie. Okay. Uh, so, what about your syntheses? What did you go for? Um, I went for flight. Good, straightforward, nice one. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, make it hurt, um, which allows me to do purchase the critical trick a little more cheaply. Um, okay. Damaging people, um, and then also uh, toxic. My unarmed attacks actually has uh, poison tags to it. Oh, lovely. Uh, how do you how do you justify that in your, I guess, mental narrative that your fists are poisonous? Um, little bug uh, protuberances kind of mm-hmm. coming out of his fists, like stingers. Oh, lovely, lovely. And I have to say, the um, make it hurt synthesis is a very popular one. A little like Fortuna is always the most popular faith. A lot of people like to be able to get criticals off cheaper. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, makes sense. It's a nice one. Uh, and uh, how about sorceries, then? Um, keeping on that theme, um, I, since I have access to the Shekhar Thorster, I just dropped all three of my dots into aggravate wounds. Um, okay, so, yeah, you are looking to really brutalize some poor bastard that is <laughs> holding uh, ingredients you, you want for your kitchen. Right, well, see, my, my, my kind of general <laughs> plan is uh, take them down as fast as possible, because if a, if a uh, critter I'm trying to hunt down goes down quickly i don't have to worry about it mm-hmm. attacking anybody or attacking me and also doesn't ruin the meat as much so which of course the toxic does kind of ruin the meat a little bit and i'll have to work on that part but 
Yeah. Uh, so you're actually thinking that the people you're targeting may actually end up in the cooking pot. You know, yeah. Not that it's always going to be people, obviously. Sometimes it'll be lovely edible bugs. So, so, sometimes, you know, you need the extra meat. Don't, touch, don't ask questions. Yeah. You, you can't make an omelette without a uh, scared band of uh, survivors looking to get from one settlement to the next, can exactly. you? Exactly. As the old saying goes. I think it's uh, every bug is edible. If you're not a coward, right? Exactly. It's like all bugs are edible if you're if you're if you're brave enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Except for the ones that aren't, but you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you spit those ones out. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're edible briefly until you know you die. <laughs> well, yeah, like by 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 that logic, everything is edible. See, exactly. I'm glad you're on board with time. <laughs> if you're not a coward. <laughs> Is this is this how it works in your restaurant? You three, you invite people yeah. in. They look, they look at the menu and say, "I don't really like the sounds of any of this. Why? What's wrong with you? You some kind of coward. You're not prepared to eat this toxic <laughs> jellyfish that's still alive and wriggling around. Some kind of coward. Yeah, pretty Every, much. That's. I think that's the name of our restaurant. Nice. What are you, some kind of coward? <laughs> <laughs> we have a meal of the day. That's it. That's all you get access to. So do that or nothing. <laughs> ah, you're the world below equivalent of those places people go to to get insulted. Yes, yes, those, yes. <laughs> yeah, those bizarre restaurants where the where you pay the staff to be horrible to you. Okay, so so uh, Danielle, uh, tell us about your character's theses. Okay, um, so I went more with because I I decided that this character is more about being kind of this crazed alchemist uh, mm. thing going on. Uh, so I picked up a cure for a muddled head, uh, okay. which allows me to make a meal that uh, resolves the stun status effect on somebody when they eat it. Very useful. Yep. Um, I picked up a metallurgist. So uh, if I am repairing or crafting a weapon, um, essentially using a material, I get enhancement, uh, and I get to add some cool tags to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the alchemy part of me. Yeah. Uh, I picked up parlor tricks just to, to help my allies do things. So I, you know, uh, maybe flip a knife or do some like hibachi chef things while, uh, while they're sneaking around. Table magic. Yeah, yeah. And then I also picked up underhanded tactics because it's just kind of good. <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right. So, and uh, how about uh, Plunk's so, syntheses? Yes. Yeah, so for, for my syntheses, I picked up uh, Delaying the Inevitable, mm-hmm. which uh, allows me to remove all complications from a single action once per session. Uh, but that complication will get applied to me or one of my allies in the future. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I have made good use of that as a story guide. Yeah, <laughs> I, I imagine that that would. Um, I picked up Fortuna's Smile, uh, so I get advantage when playing games of chance, and I can exp- extend that advantage to my allies. Okay. Uh, and then I also picked up Chaos Sense because being able to recognize chaos objects as a Kebaka felt pretty. Uh, Pretty on point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And for my my sorceries, I picked up two. Um, I picked up gathering light, 
which allows me to make uh, an orb of light that then gives me some bonuses on my next attack against uh, people who are in the light. Mm -hmm. And then I picked up Zone of Purity, which uh, allows me to kind of make at least the the area close around me um, removes a poison tag and any kind of status effects associated with it um, from, from the area, like within close range of me. That's uh, one of those sorceries I really like, and I think a lot of players uh, underestimate the, the uh, benefit it's, of it. Yeah, I saw it and I was like, ooh, this looks good. Mm, it's, uh, it's often the case with abjuration-style spells in the in D sense that people think, ah, oh. oh, you know, I'm never going to need the thing that, that clears the toxic mist out of the air, and then, of course, you're fighting for 12 rounds. Kill. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Excellent. And Dixie, uh, how about Breen? How is Breen <laughs> blessed in the world below? Super weird ways, because of course she is. Yes. Uh, so for my thesis, uh, or theses, I should say, uh, mm-hmm. I took Don't Look in the Pot, where I can harvest nourishing but unappetizing sustenance for one person, and uh, I believe they have to make rolls to not have it be extra gross. Yeah. Uh, and possibly hurt them. <laughs> uh, I, t- I took Crude Map, so I've been creating a crude map of my travels, which I think is a really interesting uh, thesis because it can be good or bad depending on where you use the map. Like if you use it in a yes. place where it's not applicable, it just gets you more messed up navigation-wise. Oh, nice, that's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I just like that she very confidently is like, I have a map wherever you go. And sometimes they're like, that's not a map of this place. Yes, you do realize we've traveled down two strata. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, no, I, I, I can help, but I'm, I'm not helping. <laughs> uh, I took Tracker, uh, so I can Tracker mm-hmm. detect monsters' presence. I took Ear to the Ground, uh, which is eavesdrop and spying type stuff. And I, yep. and I took I Was Never Here, which is plus two enhancement to influence others to disregard me entirely. But it does impose the complication that if I need help, I have to, like, persuade them, essentially, because they don't, they're naturally inclined to help me. That's actually, that's actually a nice balance, honestly. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then for my syntheses, uh, of course, I took fungal communion so I can talk of to course. mushrooms, which is the thing I've been yes. saying for two sessions now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I took toxic so I can access and conjure a toxic spore or pheromone and gives my unarmed attacks the poison quality. Mm-hmm. Um, I took living shadow where I can detach my shadow from my body and it can go check stuff out and tell me about things. <laughs> uh yeah so i can get rid of my shadow uh and then uh, i'll take self-sealing where i can <laughs> cover myself in a thin sheen of mold self-sealing and, uh, yes it's a it's a specifically my my CLI thing um or or good medicine thing but if i'm ever bleeding or bloodied i can staunch my wounds with mold which is just pleasant. On the one hand, that, that's extremely useful and very cool. On the other hand, it just sounds a little dirty. I'm still... Seeing... I mean, it's not, it doesn't just sound dirty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for my sealer, it's a positive boon. Yeah, totally. And yeah, the, the detachable shadow is another, is another popular synthesis in my experience with this game so far. A lot of people like being able to send off a uh, flickering scout off into the darkness yeah. to... Uh, to, to Venture out ahead and see what dangers await. Yeah. Uh, what sorceries were you looking at for Breen? Uh, I looked at some of the, the 
fire dot ones, but instead I decided a character creation to take three one dot ones. Oh, um, okay. So I've mm. taken Filch, uh, yep. where I can summon small objects to myself by making mm -hmm. a little tiny portal, because that's fun. Yeah. Um, and then I have taken, there we go, Craft Osseous Spurs, uh, where I can put chaos in my bones and make it poke through my flesh. Uh, so that if anybody yeah. grapples me, they are bleeding. Yeah, um, I did mention Zimishi-style uh, stuff, so you're starting to see it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I took Ominous Strike, uh, where I can imbue my weapon with the raw essence of shadows. And mm. give my attacks the shadow and stunning tags. So yeah. Wonderful. Okay, then. Well, in that case, thank you so much, all of you, for going through that. Uh, the, what the listeners won't have heard is, obviously... Everyone took the time to read all of these powers before we selected them, and uh, we realized that wouldn't be very entertaining listening. But uh, the always hearing people talk about these powers and how they're interesting to them and why they've chosen them is, is very inspiring for me, gratifying for me, because I think the writers who came up with this uh, material did a superb job. Uh, now... On to forging the party. These are our last steps, our final steps of character creation, barring anything you've missed out, like character names or contact names. Mm -hmm. uh, we have forging bonds. Well, that's going to be very easy. This is only a party of three. Uh, bonds, for the sake of listeners, are essentially a form of automatic enhancement that comes when aiding uh, your companions in various states of duress. Uh, you have one bond rated at two dots and two more data, uh, rated at one dot. Well, as this is only a party of three, we're going to have one rated at two, one rated at one. Uh, for each of you, you can basically assign who in the party you have the strongest relationships with. But what I'm going to say to these players is, you don't have to do that yet. I think what we would do when we actually run the actual play of this game is we clarify at that point how your characters know each other. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we can say, okay, this person gets my two-dot bond, this person gets my one-dot bond, and we'll go from there. But just keep it in mind, because uh, I have found that bonds get used a lot in uh, in StoryPath Ultra. Uh, it's been one of the bits we've received the most, fee most positive feedback about. It's a very simple mechanic, but it really encourages teamwork. That's awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry. Whoever um, came up with that, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who came up with that. A very modest writer. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> and then we get onto equipment. In the world below, your characters don't start off with a shopping trip. This isn't a game where currency in the form of I've got 100 gold pieces is terribly important. Rather, you earn things through barter, through trade, through harvesting them during your adventurers and either then selling them or trading them for what you need. But when you start your character off, you get a choice. You can have two out of the following three. You can have a weapon, armor, or a useful item. Now, what that means is a weapon with two tags, tags being things like concealable, light weapon, long range, piercing, so and such like, armor with two tags 
Um, well, they basically adds an injury box and two tags from artifact, concealable, light, padded, spikes. So these all have different effects. And then you've got adventuring tools. Uh, so all adventuring tools are exceptional by design. That's one tag. And then you get to choose whether it is chaos bound, rugged, or versatile. All of these tags have different meanings, which I'm not going to break down in you know granular detail at this time. Uh, they will come up when we actually play. Uh, so yeah, you can have one weapon, one armor, a weapon, an adventuring tool. You could have two of the same thing if you particularly wanted to. Uh, entirely up to you. So I know some of you aren't necessarily going to know what all these tags are, so I suggest right now go for the one that sounds appealing. I also just actually um, cheated. I just went down to the uh, existing characters and took some stuff that looked really good from them and just used their tags. Mm. Well, that works as well. Yeah, we have pre-generated characters in the uh, in the book, so you can just nick their equipment exactly while they're sleeping. Exactly while they're sleeping. As so, uh, so what did you go for, Eddie? Um, uh, I went for the classic um, a sword and plate armor, so the chitin sword, um, mm -hmm. which is the tag heavy weapon. Uh, it was a big honking slice of well-edged uh, chitin. And then, yep. of course, continuing that theme, uh, some chitinous plate, um, which has mm -hmm. the padded and spiked tags. Excellent. Okay, yes, and heavy weapon counts as two tags yep. because it is pretty damn impactful. Indeed. Mm -hmm. uh, what about you, Danielle? Um, so I picked up a, a exceptional cooking spoon. Oh, uh, which is also chaos bound. So I use it to <laughs> cast my sorceries. <laughs> um, and then I also have some light armor. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is light and padded. Okay. So uh, as a chaos bound tool, technically you could turn that into a weapon that could bypass most armor. Yes, I technically, but technically. Uh, right now it is just a <laughs> cooking spoon and I don't want to risk damaging it by no. trying to hit monsters upside the head with it. Probably not now, yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you thinking, Dixie? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about doing what Eddie did, kind of looking at the ex example characters. There were these things called charm spores, and I don't know what exactly mm -hmm. they would do, but I think I would have some kind of maybe spore, spore attack. Yeah, uh, I would class that as an adventuring tool. Yeah. Uh, so you'd get two tags with that exceptional and probably something like versatile or uh, or even chaos bound. Yeah, so I think I will have an adventuring tool and then some kind of weapon as well. Mm. Uh, so possibly... I like Abyssal, obviously. That's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so maybe Abyssal and also a light weapon because I have higher decks than light. Okay. So yeah. All right. I might change it before we play, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure we will. Uh, you then assign your character two items of interest that have little function. Uh, these are items of importance to you, but they have no tags associated with them. Uh, so, again, this is going to be more narrative than mechanical, and I appreciate some players like to think long and hard about the kind of uh, items their characters are carrying around, so we will cover that at the beginning of our first session. What are your, uh, what's your character's paraphernalia and accoutrement? We will get to that. Unless you have ideas right now? Yeah, I think I need to mull it over a bit. 
when, All right. when you say paraphernalia and accoutrement, mm. what do you mean by that? Uh, this could be a fragment of a holy symbol. This could be a jewel uh, or semi-precious stone, more likely. Uh, this could be something handed down to you from a parent. Uh, one of the example characters, for instance, has a cameo, you know, a little uh, carved necklace uh, that has a picture of his parents in. Um, oh, I, my character has a set of lucky dice. Okay. Well, there you go. There's two items there, if you've got two dice. So, well, I think the set is one. <laughs> that's that's definitely one. And then I think uh, I have a used up chaos rock. Oh, okay. So it is it is no longer filled with chaos, but mm. uh, it was once filled with chaos. Yeah, and it has. It was a, a mentor of mine owned it, and that person has passed away, and I hold on to it. Oh, fair enough. And yeah, the these uh, interests of uh, oh, sorry, these items of little function will in some cases come up in the story, and of course at that point serve a function, but they are very much situational. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dixie, is that something you want to think on? Yeah, I'm going to think about it. Um, mm -hmm. One of them may be a petrified mushroom. <laughs> Well, while we're talking about the little bits, um, so I, while we were like doing other things, I, I filled in my dialectic and calling contacts. Oh, yeah. And I need to tell you that I named one of my calling contacts Ward Palades the Red. That is a uh, um, grandiose name. <laughs> well, he is my, uh, he's moneyed and he's my alchemist, like, uh, patron. Ah, like a sponsor. Yes. Hmm. That's a good name and a good character to have. And also yes. very useful to me as a story guide because it means you have someone who might uh, set you off on a task. Right, exactly. Also, I, my, my dialectic contact is Glowbug, uh, who's also a uh, Kiabaka, uh, who is an archive. I don't know what that, um, I don't know what that contact tag means, mm -hmm. but I liked the sound of it. Uh, so access to lore information about a place, a person, that kind of thing. So in okay. this case, as it's dialectic, it may be lore related to Kaobaka. Um, but again, with the with contacts, it depends on how they are used, how the story guide plays them, and and your relationship with them. Uh, but this this person has access to a trove of information, basically. All right, then. So, final thing, and I think I can probably assign this for you, is your party aspiration. And the reason I think I can assign this for you is because you've spoken about nothing but setting up your own restaurant yes, sure. in the world below. Uh, so, your party aspiration is going to be to establish a safe cavern where you can basically protect all entrances that doubles as a kitchen for travellers passing between two settlements. Essentially, it's like a service station. And uh, so people on the highway can pull in, eat your food, think, wow, that's great, and then get on to somewhere actually safe. So that and then is your... half a mile down the road, throw up. Because... <laughs> yeah, because they, they failed, they got a complication and didn't yeah. buy it off. Yeah, because I made it with terrible, <laughs> terrible glowing mushrooms that I you... pick, picked off of my face. The thing is, as a plot, as, as ridiculous as it might sound, this makes perfect sense in the world below. Yeah, because yeah, sure. if you 
if you were to set something up like this, you would have an incentive to foray further and further away from your cave to get more and more to rarer ingredients, if you like, and uh, track down an elusive chef who became a hermit in mm. a cave just off of uh, Erehulk or something like that. You know, there's lots of reasons to forage out and then come back and slowly build up an entire settlement surrounding your kitchen cavern. Yeah, and we can always leave someone else in charge while we're gone. You know, that's that's yep. that's, that's what NPCs are for, right? <laughs> exactly. That's why you've got contacts. You could uh, recruit some. We call them sous chefs. Yes. <laughs> All right, then. Well, that is character creation complete, uh, barring a few missing details, a few missing contacts, character names, such like. But we will reveal all of that when we start play. Woo! In maybe our next recording. We shall see, hopefully. I think after we put this up, we're going to have an interview about... Yes. About... Uh, Crucible of Legend. I was going to say Exalted Essence, and I was like, that's not right. <laughs> uh, about Crucible of Legend, and then we will get into our World Below game after that. So have a little break, and then we'll get into that. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, all three of you. Uh, you know, I know we, we come here pretty routinely to do our podcast, but uh, it, it genuinely is a good feeling knowing my friends and colleagues are creating characters for this game. I think um, the, the team on this spent a lot of time making it what it is and i'm i'm very happy with it so here's hoping it finds its audience i think so i mean i i i generally don't groove much on fantasy games um and this is a fantasy games that you got me sincerely excited so i'm really really mm -hmm. this yeah game. yeah i'm very excited for it because i feel like it's something i i've seen like different elements of this style of game in different places but never kind of put together yeah. mm -hmm. like this so yeah, I like the idea that, I mean, I've, I've played a bunch of fantasy games, obviously, we all have, and often you go into, like, a cave, but the point is to eventually come out of it, and mm -hmm. I kind of like the fact that this is, this this could feel a little dungeon crawly, but it's not going to, because we all live down here, uh, so that, that's very cool to me, that it's not just a, you know, cave crawl or dungeon crawl, it is actually the world, like, that, that is where you live. And yeah. the, the implications of that and of getting near the surface and what's going on on the surface and everything else are just fascinating to me. So, yeah. Well, I'm I'm very glad to hear it. And hopefully you listeners have enjoyed it too and are excited about the game and listening to all of us play. Uh, so we will get to that soon. But before then, we should probably end this Pathcast with uh, many thanks for you to for listening. Uh, so, Danielle, if people want to find you online to speak to you about Plunk, uh, where would they go? Uh, I am in uh, the Onyx Path Discord, uh, chilling, and also uh, some places online uh, at Impernius. Um, not a lot of places right now because, well, the places are kind of weird. So, yeah. <laughs> and Dixie, if they want to speak to you about Breen, one or the <laughs> other. Yeah, if if, if you want to talk to me about any any Breen or the business opportunities to be had at Breen's Beans, uh, you can find me in the Discord. <laughs> you can find me at pretty much anywhere with an at symbol, except for that one that used to be cooler, uh, at Dixie Cyanide. Now, just just before we get to Eddie, uh, it is a highlight of mine in this podcast that when we watched that Breen movie, you spent a good 
five, ten, fifteen minutes trying to locate the university <laughs> campus he was filming at all. I found you... it. <laughs> yes, and you actually found it while we were supposed to be watching the damn movie. It was a better use and, of her time. It was... Now you know what it's like to watch a lot of things with me because I am constantly on my phone going like, who is that? Where is that? What is happening here? Uh, because once I have a question like that, I have to answer it. So I know that my boyfriend is constantly looking over when we're watching almost anything and I'm like on IMDb, like trying to figure mm -hmm. out where I know somebody from because I am um, I am I am pretty face blind, as 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 you all know. And so I'll like see somebody and be like, looks familiar. And the answer is either, oh, I saw them in X thing fairly recently and I should know who they are, or nope, never seen them in my entire life. But uh, they triggered something in my brain. So, yeah. Mm. Super fun. Sounds like. And Eddie, uh, remind me, did you, uh, did you end up selecting a name for your character? Zavin. Zavin. And uh, if they want to speak to you about Zavin, where would they go? Uh, you can find me on some social media networks uh generally if you look for pug steady that's also my website um it's p-u-g-s-t-e-a-d-y um if you plug that in somewhere you might find me you probably find me um you'll also apparently find me on books three which is being trained uh ais right now so that's another place to look for me um yeah <laughs> i was i was looking at the amount of authors that i follow that are like their entire catalogs are on there, yeah, and I was like, "Ooh, yeah. they're not going to be happy." Um, mm -hmm. uh, but honestly, the best place to find me these days really is uh, the Onyx Path Discord, where uh, inevitably uh, someone will ask me questions like, "What Transformer comics should I be reading?" and I will just show up. Yeah, <laughs> and they can find me in the same place, and as of course as Dawkins MP on uh, the Twitter machine. For as long as it's free, uh, they can speak to you on matthewdawkins.com. And then I've got to come up with an idea for why these characters, specifically from Tark, which is about as close to the surface as you could possibly ever wish to be, which isn't much, uh, Telvis Hearth, which is pretty much dead in the center of the world below, and Oracaster, which is right near the bottom of the world below, have somehow all come together for a culinary school somewhere equidistant. <laughs> <laughs> And their adventure will start. But I'll come up with something. They all flew to, sure to France. So that's fine. That's it. Yeah, yeah. This is These are their college years. <laughs> so with that said, thank you so much, all of you. And thank you, listeners. Many worlds, one path cast. <laughs>